Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. Well, Hebrews 10.22 is where we want to begin. We're still on this subject of let us draw near. And... uh, talking about growing into the things of God, maturing, renewing our minds, saving our souls, uh, however you want to say it. But the goal, again, of the Christian life is maturity. It's progression. And uh, years ago, I heard a minister say that, and it just imprinted my spirit. And it really imprinted my spirit because what I saw was at that time I was dealing with a lot of people that had been saved I mean, they would claim to have been saved 30, 35, 40 years, and they were just the most immature people I'd ever met in my life. I mean, they would get offended at the drop of a hat. Sometimes they'd drop it themselves and uh, uh, just get frustrated, get upset, gossip, uh, talk behind your back, backbite. And I thought, well, Lord, what in the world is this? I know new believers. I know new converts haven't been saved six months that don't do that. And the Lord said something to me. He said, length of time saved does not mean maturity. And boy, that really spoke to me. Now, obviously, anybody that's been saved 30 years and maintained a relationship with Christ, we honor that and respect that, but that doesn't mean they're mature. Amen. If, if, if you've ever tried to help anybody in a marriage, you understand that if one of the two parties are, are immature and won't grow up, you're going to have a hard time. If you always got one wanting to go back to mama or one, right, you're going to have a hard time. Well, it's the same way in our Christian walk. If I'm not willing to grow, I'm going to have a hard time because there are things that God wants to move us into, but it requires maturity. It requires growth. Amen. So Proverbs 10, 22, uh, the very first part of that says, so he, he, he speaks here. And he says, so let us, notice, draw near. Let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith. So that word, that phrase, draw near, means to be near, to draw near, to worship. And the statement that I've been making is there are many believers, some that you know, that they're just just content to live a life kind of at arm's length with God. Just, I'm saved, I'm on my way to heaven, and, and that's pretty much it. In other words, the salvation of their spirit has never affected anything but their spirit. Amen. And uh, uh, the the writer of Hebrews says God's desire is that we draw near. Hallelujah. Romans 12. Now, we've been here the last two sessions, but I'm not going to move away from it real quick unless the Lord tells me to. Because Romans 12... And verse 1, he says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Now, in, in past messages, we've talked about the word beseech, and, and, and you should go to the word supply and order that, or go online and, 
And that, that's the easiest way. Go online and, and, and look at it or, or order it or whatever, and it'll cost you nothing. But the point is, that word uh, uh, beseech is, is to ask or to beg or to entreat in light of the mercies of God, in light of what we've seen about God's mercies in the previous uh, teaching is what he's saying, that you, notice, that you present your body a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. One translation says, make a decisive dedication. The Woos Bible says, by a once and for all presentation, place your bodies at the disposal of God. So what this lets us know is that this is not something we can do without thinking about it. It's, it's not just reasonable in the sense that, well, you should do it. It's you can't do it. It means rational. You can't do it without thinking about it. It's not something you can do without focusing on it. You have to make a decision to do it. All right? There are things... Well, well I should say this first. You know, we come to the church and we lift our hands. We were doing that this morning and, and we thank God. And we call that worship. It is. And it's right. But folks, how we live is worship. The way you live your life is worship. What you do with your body on a daily basis and your mind on a daily basis is worship. All right? Because he says, it's your, the Amplified Bible says, it's your spiritual act of worship. So when you get up every day and you present your body a living sacrifice and you make the decision to renew your mind, you are saying, Lord, I'm worshiping you with my whole self today. Amen. And, and you have to think about that to do it. And then he says, notice, verse 2, and be not conformed to this world, but be transformed. So he says, there are things that we have to stop. And things that we have to start as believers. The first one is, notice, stop being conformed. That's what it means in the Greek. King James says, uh, do not be conformed. The, the phrase in the Greek is the present imperative. And it means stop it. Stop right now being conformed. Right? Amen. I don't know if your mother ever came in, you and your sibling were disagreeing. She said, hey, hey, stop it. Not in a while. That's the present imperative. Stop it right now. Right? And you knew to stop it now. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, that's what Paul's saying. Stop this. Stop being conformed now. And start being transformed. Well, it would be the same imperative. Stop it. Start it. So if I'm going to stop, I have to stop. If I'm going to start, I have to start. There's not one scripture in the entire New Testament that says God will do something with your mind. I have to begin the process. The power of God will work in me. Philippians says it's the power of God that works in you both to will and to do of His good pleasure. He'll, he'll put His will on the inside of you, and He will give you the power to do it, but you've got to do it. No believer is left to their own devices in this challenge. If you make a decision to start renewing your mind, God will help you 
renew your mind. But I got to start doing it. Remember what we read in Ephesians? We won't go there today. But he said, I've wrote to you and here's what I'm telling you. Put off the old man. Right? And then the next verse, be renewed in the spirit of your mind and put on the new man. What's that? What is that? Stop being conformed. Renew your mind. Start being transformed. Right? I, I've got I've to start it and I've got to stop it. Hallelujah. So how do I start being transformed? He says by renewing your mind. So it comes by the renewing of our mind. The verb for transform there means go on being continually transfigured more and more day by day. That's what it literally means. So every day he's saying every day you get transfigured, you get transformed more and more every day. The Bible says the ultimate goal is that when we leave this earth, right, we are at the, the place, hear me, of maturity. Where, when, when you, If you go by way of the grave, you will go into the grave at whatever place of spiritual maturity you're at. And here's what that means. You will be as much like Christ as you wanted. I will be as much like Jesus as I want to be. You understand? And then he said, in, in, in the eternal life, in heaven, I'll be like him. But I'm working, that's the goal now, is to be like him. When, when we preach and teach on walking in love, and living by love. Why are we doing that? So you'll be like Christ. Right? When, when we talk about believing God and knowing how much God loves you and seeing yourself as righteous. Why? So you'll believe and become more like Christ. Do you see this? It's not, it's, it is about you, but it's so you can become like Him. You've got to know you're the righteousness of God so you can escape shame and guilt and condemnation. But why do you want to be... Whose righteousness is it? It is the righteousness of God in Christ. That what made the religious people so mad about Jesus is he knew he was in right standing with the Father and the Bible said he did not think it was robbery to be made equal with God. What makes religious people upset with mature Christians is we know who we are in Christ and we're not afraid to, to act like it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So you renew your mind. And how do you do this? Day by day. This comes by the constant renewing of my mind. Hallelujah. Tell your neighbor, say, my mind is being renewed. And then he says, don't be conformed to this world. Do you see that? One translation says, don't be conformed any longer. I think it's the Amplified Bible. So he's writing to believers now, should you have to write to believers and tell them not to be conformed any longer? Well, you wouldn't think so. But yet, this is the handbook, and he was. So we should, and we have to. Now, anytime you're preaching to people, one Christian's milk is another Christian's meat, 
And one Christian's meat is another Christian's milk. So obviously it's going to fall on different ears, different soils. But here's the one thing that we can't get away with and away from. Is ever how long you've been saved, ever how mature you are, ever how much you know. The Bible says you've got to do this every day. Because if I don't get up and do it every day, I begin to fall behind in God. If you're not renewing your mind every day, you're falling behind in the things of God. Because God will show me something, not just a revelation. God will show me something every day about where I can be better, I can do better, I can be stronger, I can be more mature. Amen. So he says, don't be conformed to this world. Oh, glory. That word conform, I like this because it says, to conform oneself, one's mind and character, to another's pattern. Should I say that again? To conform oneself, one's mind and character, to another's pattern. To another's pattern. Conform oneself, one's mind, and one's character to another pattern. So conformity then is to allow my mind to be patterned after the world's way of thinking. After a fleshly way of thinking, a religious way of thinking. Whatever it may be. That's conformity. And and we're going to get into this very strict today. But that's what I need you to see. The world, the, the devil, and the spirit of this world is pressing you every day to conform you to how they think. Their pattern. And there are obvious things that we could talk about. But, but suffice it to say, that's the pressure. Is conformity. Think this way. Act this way. Right? Be okay with this. Well, that's an attempt to squeeze you into a mold. I was talking to a person one time, and they had some questions about some things that had happened in their life, and it just came up in my heart. And I looked at them with love and compassion. I said, but here's what you don't want to do. Don't ever question the truth of God's Word. I don't care what happened or what didn't happen. You don't question what the truth says. That's the truth. I've had people tell me, well, I know the Bible says you can have what you say, but it didn't work for me. Don't, don't start questioning the truth. Start looking for why it didn't work, but don't question the truth. Because Jesus said you'd have what you said. See, if I start questioning the truth, I am at danger of conforming myself, of being squeezed into a pattern of thinking that says, that's not for me. Or that's not what that meant. You follow me? And that's why we tell you all the time, it doesn't matter if I'm preaching it or somebody else is preaching it, you get in your own Bible and see what the Bible says, and then that way you know what to believe. You don't believe what you believe because I told you to believe it. You believe what you believe because the Bible told you to believe it. That's what renews your mind. Amen. Now, you need to come hear my good preaching, but you understand what I mean. I want to get bad theology going there. <laughs> But do but, but you see, or fashion, you begin to fashion yourself to that. We saw this some years ago 
when people started talking about, uh, you know, can uh, homosexuals be saved? Well, I've always asked people, well, define what you mean. Can a homosexual be saved? Yes. Is a homosexual going to get saved and keep living like a homosexual? No. Why? Because eventually their mind will get renewed and they'll see it from the Word or eventually their heart will condemn them. You follow me? Well, you know, uh, uh, can a Christian drink? Is it okay for a Christian to drink? Well, uh, now tell me why you're asking. Because you want to drink? Or because you have a really serious question? But here's my question. If you went down here to JT's or any bar here in the city and you went down there on a Friday night or a Saturday night, how many Bible-believing, Holy Ghost-filled, God-fearing Christians do you think you would see at the bar? I don't think you'd see any. I mean, I wouldn't be there. I wouldn't expect to drive by and find any of y'all there. <laughs> you say, what would you do if you did? I'd stop and ask you, what are you doing in here? I, I, would, well, I would be there, but I'd be there pulling them out of the fire. Here, here, here's, here's the point. You, you mature to a place where you, you don't allow yourself to be squeezed into that. Why? Because most of us in here know that anything, the only thing that ever came out of that lifestyle for any of us was misery and death and destruction. And we know that is not God's will. We, how do you know that? You have matured. Your mind has been renewed to the place that you know that is not God's will for me. Amen. Right? Do, do you see that? And so when, when, when these questions start, it's an attempt to squeeze you into that mold. Amen. That saved me so much over the years. I don't have the answer to everything, but if I know what the Word said, that's truth. Whether I see it working in my life or not, this is truth. And so I've got to stay with what the truth said. Notice this. Oh, hallelujah. Look at Daniel chapter 3. I, uh, I want to share something with you that's probably, it's, it's a familiar passage, but we need to read this. I think in a new light or maybe in a light that some have never seen it. Daniel 3 and verse 14. Nebuchadnezzar said unto them, Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, do not ye serve my gods or worship the golden image I have set up? Now if you be ready... At what time, or at the time that you hear the cornet, the flute, the harp, the psaltery, the dulcimer, all kinds of music, you fall down and worship the image I have made, notice, well, or it'll go well with you. But if you worship not, you will be cast that same hour into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. Now watch the question. And who is that God that will deliver you out of my hands? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, we're not careful to answer you in this matter. If it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the fiery furnace and he'll deliver us out of your hand. 
If not, let it be known, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you've set up. Now, very often when you hear this preached, it's preached like this. Well, he said, I'll throw you in the fire. And they said, well, okay. You know, uh, we're not going to bow. And if you throw us in the fiery furnace, here's how it's preached. We believe God will deliver us. But if he don't, we're still not going to bow. It's not right. And I'll tell you why it's not right. Because notice this. Verse 17. If it be so. Now notice what he said. Who is that God that will deliver you? Verse 17. If it be so. What does that mean? If you throw us in the fire. Our God will deliver us. Now watch. They are not saying God's going to leave me in the fire. They said if you throw me in there. God's going to deliver us. Period. Why? It wouldn't be faith if that's not how they said it. Think about this. When somebody preaches that the other way, well, you know, they just knew that regardless, you know, that uh, they were going to trust in God. It, it doesn't make sense. You, you can't make the ends connect. That they were in faith by saying, God will deliver us. And if he don't, you, you, you hear what I'm saying? That's not faith. If somebody came to you and said, you know, I believe God's going to heal me. I have faith. And, you know, but if he don't, well, right there, you know, they're not in faith. Because if you believe God's going to heal you, you would never think about if he don't. So they're not saying, if throw us in the fire and we believe God will deliver us. But if he don't, it's not what they're saying. They're saying, if it's so, if you put us in the fire, God will deliver us. Right? Because notice, what, notice how they answered it. Verse 15. Who will deliver you out of my hands? Verse 17. He will deliver us out of your hand. Now notice verse 18. But if not, if you don't throw us in the fire, we're still not bowing. If you don't throw us, we're not going to serve your gods. We're not going to worship the image that you've set up. We're not doing it. So if you want to throw us in the fire, throw us in the fire. God will deliver us out of your hand. But if you choose not to put us in the fire, we're still not bowing. What are they saying? We're not going to conform. This is extreme nonconformity. Right? You might not be faced with a burning fiery furnace, but you're faced with the same decision nonetheless. Why did they not conform? Because they knew what God had said. You shall have no other gods before you. You will not bow down and worship other gods. Do you see that? And they knew that if they did what God said, God would do what He promised. So the battle then is what am I going to conform to? There are believers that you know that here's what, here would have been their mindset. Well, you know, I mean, God knows my heart. So he'll understand if, you know, I bow because after all, I mean, he, he put me in this position, right? He wants me to have, you know, he wants me to be blessed. God doesn't want me to die, right? Hmm. Well, then everything 
that God blessed them with would have went away because the reason they were blessed was because of their service and their attitude towards God. It's what the Bible says. It says that Daniel and Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego served the Lord God and God prospered them. So the minute you conform, the minute they would have conformed, all that goes away. Oh, they would have saved their neck, but they would have fallen short in the things of God. Amen. You, you see what I'm trying to say? And, and that's how the enemy always tries to work. Just conform a little bit. When you compromise one time, your next compromise is right around the corner. When you give yourself one exception, the next exception is right around the corner. That's why the Christian life is a discipline. It's something that you do every day. You get up every day and renew your mind to the Word of God. Present your body a living sacrifice and you keep the flesh and the mind under. You bring it into subjection. Why? Because if you start compromising, it's going to want to compromise tomorrow. Hallelujah. I know you just love that. I, I, I know. But, but it's the truth. Right? I, I'm, I'm going to say something that Buzz considers blasphemy. But... If, if you want to limit the sugar intake in your life, you, what do you do? No exceptions. No exceptions. If that's what you want to do. I'm not telling you you have to do it. If that's what you want to do. That's always been my mindset. I don't wean myself off of anything. I'm, I'm going to quit. Yeah, but what about the challenges? Well, the challenges are there, but what are you going to do? If you compromise, right? Hallelujah. So, so that means you don't have any cheat days. Right? Cheat days. Who told you you could have a cheat day? Who said that? Where's there a cheat day scripture? That, that cheat day is so that that person won't feel deprived. But what system are you going for here? Right? Well, this is my cheat day. I can eat whatever I want. But, but now wait a minute. So you're just letting the flesh have its entire way one day for now. But here's what it's going to do. It's going to keep growling until it gets two days. Right? Or until it gets three days. And then the next thing you know, you're going to be what we call off the wagon. <laughs> right? And, and, and you know what that is? Just conforming to a way of thinking. And, and here they are, the, a king who is known to be a murderer, known to be vicious, known to be very violent and uncaring and, and, and uncompassionate, and the fire is there where they can see it. It's heated seven times, and they stood before the king, and they said, if you put us in that fire that you're going to heat seven times hotter, our God will deliver us out of your hand. And here's the thing to know, king, even if you don't put us in the fire, we're still not bowing. 
So your threat won't work. Understand us. We're not conforming. It's got to be your mindset. When you step out to stand in faith about something, now you're not conforming. You're not compromising. You hear me? Because that will be the pressure. Hallelujah. Oh, glory. When I, listen, they refuse to conform just to make it easier on themselves. Compromise, conformity, can make it seem easier. But it just causes the problem to be bigger. Because nothing changes. I, I actually lose ground. Amen. And, 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 and that's why you don't do things just to make it easier on you. I remember hearing years ago, Dr. Cho, Yongi Cho, that at, I think he still does, at one time pastored the largest church in the world, uh, a million members, uh, Yoido Full Gospel in uh, South Korea. And he said the Lord would have him up at like 3 o'clock in the morning to pray. And he would ask the Lord, Lord, can I just sleep? I just want to sleep. And the Lord would just tell him, no, you can't. If you're going to do what I need you to do, you can't. I, I need you in on this. Well, see, he could have conformed. It's not about having the largest church in the world. It's about changing a nation. And that's what they did. They changed the, the, the press. They bought the newspaper and started putting out God's word. They affected politics. You understand what I'm saying? But to make it easier on myself. Well, that's changed by renewing your mind. Remember what Paul said? He said, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Everything is about what he wants. When I found out what the word said, I went for it. There are times my mind would try to challenge what the Word said. And I talked about that at length in a couple of past messages. There are times my mind would try to challenge what the Word said, but this is what the Word says. Hallelujah. We have to make a choice to make our minds think like the Word. That's nonconformity. I'm going to think like the Word thinks. We talk and we preach messages about seeing yourself as God sees you. How do you see yourself as God sees you? By seeing yourself how the Word depicts you. There are people that will say they believe God will prosper them, but then they'll say, well, but you know, I don't need that much. They don't believe God will prosper them. Because if they believe God would prosper them, why wouldn't they want to have more than enough? Why would they just say, well, you know, I'm just content with what I have. I mean, God's good to me. Yeah, but what about your neighbor? Don't you want to prove to your neighbor that God's good to him too? God's good to them? Don't you want to bless them? You're blessed to be a blessing. You see how we can conform and we don't even think about it? Well, you know, I'm not all about money. Well, neither am I, but I sure like it. They asked one man, they said one time, is money important? He said, yeah, it's right up there with oxygen. Well, I mean, just seriously, if we could just cut off your oxygen supply here for 30 seconds, how much would you like that? 
You'd find out real quick how important oxygen is. Right? See, it's this conformity. If, if the enemy can't get you over off into sin, he tries to get you to conform to religion. He tries to get you to conform to something that's robbing you just like he robs the sinner. Hallelujah. There, there are believers you know and I know today that are living very sinful, wicked lives. They are believers, they're born again, and they're living, living dirty lives. Because the enemy has pushed them into conformity. Are you following me? And they'll never walk in the power of the gospel or the power of the word of God because they're too busy conforming to the world. And Paul said, if you don't get up every day and present your body a living sacrifice and renew your mind day by day by day by day, what will begin to happen is the flesh and the, and the soul and the mind will start taking over. Do, do you see this? Hallelujah. When the thought comes to your mind, well, there has to be an easier way than living by faith. There has to be an easier way than sowing and reaping. There has to be an easier way than standing against fear. There is. It's called conformity. That's easier. There's an easier way than standing by faith. Conform. But you'll never see what you could have seen standing by faith. There's not one scripture in the Bible that says, and having done all to stand, give up. Right? It says when you've done all to stand, stand. Don't conform. What did God tell you? If God told it to you or you saw it in the Word, that's how it's going to be. If you won't conform. Amen. When you conform, the pressure to renew your mind is lifted. I've watched this over the years with people. I've been pastoring a little while. And, I, and I've watched this over the years. Somebody, somebody will leave church. And I've heard this two or three times. Oh, it just feels good to be out from under that bondage. Well, what they mean is it feels good to be out from under that pressure to change. That's not every case, but I've heard that a lot. And I've never seen that person do better. Because what was keeping change on their mind? Coming to church. Being a part of the fellowship of the believers. Amen. Hallelujah. And so there is an easier way. Conformity. There's an easier way than living by faith. Live by doubt. Anybody can doubt. Not everybody's living by faith. Anybody can, but not everybody is. Amen. There's an easier way than sowing and reaping. Work every hour they'll give you. Take two jobs. Work all the overtime. Be away from your family. Never see your wife. Never see your husband. Don't be there for your kids. Don't be there for your grandkids. Just be a dad and a mom and a grandparent and a, and a, and a husband and a wife in figure only. Anybody can do that. But when you as a parent or a, a man or a woman of God say, Nope. I'm going to take my stand and believe God. If God can't meet my needs on 40 hours a week, 
He can't meet my needs, period. And I'm going to sow and reap, and I'm going to believe God. Amen. Hallelujah. The enemy, the spirit of this age, is constantly attempting to squeeze us into its mold. It's a way of thinking. Now, understand why you got to renew your mind every day. Because that spirit's trying to do that every day. You didn't wake up this morning and the devil forget you were around. Well, but you know, he, he hadn't uh, done anything today. Well, you, today, yet. But at some point today, you might get a thought or you might, whatever, a situation might come up. We're not giving credit to the devil. I'm just trying to tell you, he didn't forget you were here. At some point, the pressure is going to be put on you to conform. Right? Hallelujah. The enemy is trying to squeeze us into that mold. Look at Romans 12, 2 one more time. It says concerning this. Do not be conformed to this world. Be transformed by the renewing of your minds. The Woos Bible says, Stop assuming an outward expression that does not come from within you and is not representative of who you are in your inner being, but is patterned after this age. Patterned after this age. So conformity is being pressed into the pattern of the world or the pattern, here's a phrase, of carnal Christians. I learned years ago, the people that you should look at are the people that are the most on fire for God. Hallelujah. If, if, you're, if you're dealing with somebody that, that always wants to give you the easy way out, I, I learned that years ago working in, in the, the secular world. If, if you're dealing with somebody that's always looking for a, a shortcut, a way to get around the quality and excellence guidelines, get away from them. Because they're not very long there. You can't keep cutting corners and everything go well. Why? Because what's the point in cutting corners? You're cutting material out of the hole. And eventually you're going to need that corner you're cutting. Amen. The mind is renewed by bringing it in line with the Word, the written Word. Look at James 1. And we've went here a couple of times too, but this is so important. I remember us getting a hold of the Word of God, and we took so much flack for that. Pastor Michelle and I took so much flack. We lost friends. We lost family members. Amen. I, had, I, I was preaching, uh, doing all the preaching in this church. And uh, uh, I remember we'd been preaching on faith. And I remember one time in Sunday school, I was, I was in sun, the adult Sunday school class because, uh, you know, that's what the pastor wanted. And so I was there. And I had a lady, they asked if anybody had a testimony. And I had a lady stand up in the row uh, right in front of me, the row right in front of me. And she turned around and said, yes, uh, there's something I want to say. 
And uh, they said, okay. And she turned around and looked right at me, looked right at me, and said, we've been hearing a lot of preaching on faith. And she said, I think these faith people are in a dream world. They need to wake up and be real. You know, I'm looking for help, and there is none. (laughs) There's no help. Pastor Michelle was off doing something else. I was the only one in there. And they was mad at me for preaching faith. And so then, then we took about two or three weeks or a little longer. We were talking about seed time and harvest. Man, this was a revelation to me. And people were getting set free. That's, that's the thing. People were getting set free. I, I can rattle off, I, just off the top of my head, four cases of incurable cancer that God healed. One, one little boy came, came in with, with allergies so bad he was on seven different allergy inter, uh, medicines. And the doctor said, there's nothing we can do. He's allergic to everything. We'll just, this is all we can do. Mom came, brought him on a, on, a, on a Wednesday, had him prayed for, took him back to the doctor on a Thursday, and they gave him the test, and he was allergic to everything the day before and allergic to nothing the day after. Those were the kind of things going on. A guy got delivered of epilepsy. I mean, just healed by the power of God. People that were cold and indifferent to the things of God, revi- we say revival, it was a move of God. And the carnal Christians, as long as all they ever had to do was buck and jump and run and shout, and there was never any pressure put on them to grow and conform to the world, I was the greatest thing since sliced bread. Amen. I mean, they didn't know Jesus was my brother, but, you know, that's what they thought. He's yours too, whether you know it or not. Right? And so, and so when the time came, now you got to grow. We can't just buck and jump and run and shout. We got to grow. Right? Don't you remember going to school? And, and they still have it today. Lily talks about it. It's one of the favorite parts of her day. It's called recess. <laughs> what does that mean? The learning recesses. Right? And we're out just, ah! And the kids are running, ah! Right? Dodgeball, boom, somebody's getting, Right? Oh, that's great. There's no grade for recess. Not recess. P.E. maybe. Not recess. Well, when they throw the ball, they don't quite hit the other child full on in the face, so they need to work on their trajectory. No. No. I'm sorry. That would have probably been in my day, not the day we live in. But... But the point is, there's no grade for recess. You just go out there and recess. It's recess. If you want to sit in the corner by yourself and dig in the dirt, that's fine. If you want to get in the little pen, you know, that they have there on the parking lot and kick the ball or whatever it is, it's recess. But guess what? Eventually the bell's going to ring, the whistle's going to sound, the teacher's going to come out, and what you got to do, you got to go back into the classroom. Because now you've got to learn. Because if you don't know two plus two, it doesn't matter how well you can kick the ball. If you don't don't know adjectives and pronouns and verbs, if you don't know how to put a sentence together and read and write, it doesn't matter how fast you are. Amen. Slow kids need to learn. 
Fast kids, black kids, white kids, fat kids, skinny kids. Every kid needs to learn because school is not where you go to have fun. It's where you go to grow. And you might have fun growing, but that's not the point. The point of school is to learn something, to grow up. And you hurt a child when you progress them from grade to grade when they have not grasped what they should have grasped in that grade. And you won't do that in God. You will not go to a level that you don't qualify for. Hallelujah. I'm helping you, I believe. James 1 and 21. Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness, that's moral dirtiness, superfluity of naughtiness, abundance of wickedness, and receive with meekness the engrafted word that's able to save your soul. Now, here's what I want to focus on. The engrafted word, the word is implanted. That's what it means. It means the implanted word. So this implanted word has to be received. Has to be taken. It has to be received. And how is it received? As the standard, as the way, as the answer. I receive this word as the standard. Now, if you talk to a lot of believers, you know, they'll tell you the word's the standard. But then if you watch their life, you'll see something else as the standard. Because your standards are how you live. If you go to some people's house and watch what they're watching on TV, you can discern their standards. Right? You know, because you know what they call a hypocrite, right? Hypocrite's a guy that complains about all the sex, drugs, and nudity on his DVR. (laughs) Well, Well, his DVR is telling us his standards. If you have standards, it'll be seen on what you do. I've told you the story of talking to believers before. They'd say uh, they went to see a movie, and I'm not against you going to see a movie. I mean, uh, you're adults. But here's the point. They, they would make this statement. Well, yeah, I went and saw this movie. And, you know, they, they only use, you know, they only cuss. They only use the Lord's name once. Once. So, so then it's okay if they come up to your wife and call her an ugly name just once. Well, no, it's not. You better not. Wait a minute. Whoa, whoa. You're compromising your standards. Because the Bible says that the Father is the lover of your soul. It says He loves you like nobody else. The love you have for your spouse, He gave it to you. And so... It's okay to go and watch somebody use his name and hear it and come out of there justifying yourself that at least you don't say that. See, now I'm not running your movies down. I don't know what you watch or don't watch. Standards. What is the standard? If the word's the standard, 
then I try to avoid corrupt communication. Well, you know, Pastor, you can't really watch TV nowadays without hearing some of it, so what does that tell you? Maybe there's things we shouldn't watch. Oh, but wait a minute, I get it, I get it. To make it easier on ourselves. Amen. Somebody asked a, a pastor in our fellowship not too long ago, said, well, you don't watch the news? And they said, no. And they said, well, how in the world do you know what's going on then? My wife said, oh, somebody will tell us. I mean, I'm, I'm not telling you not to watch the news. But think about this. If, if you came over to my house and I said, we're going to serve everything buffet style. And here, here's the buffet. And you come over here and you pick up the first lid. And it's rotten spinach. Right? And then, and then you come over here and it's, it's, it's spoiled chicken. She's going to dig in. No. You know. It's like the, 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 I went to that lady's house that time uh, with her husband and, and we went over and he was talking about what a good cook she was. And uh, 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 <laughs> she made some bean dip and brought it out and put it on the table. And the woman put her foot, her bare foot, up on the table. And I thought, I'm not, I'm not eating. Where was that foot? How I know you didn't have some toes in those beans? I don't know what's going on. People say, it's rude. It's not rude. Unless I have to and I don't have a choice. I'm not going to eat in no dirty house and in no dirty kitchen. Before you cook, I want to see your stove. <laughs> right? <laughs> Hallelujah. If I come in and your house is a mess and dirty and stinks, that's an indicator to me. That's how you do things in your kitchen. Now, here's my point of saying that. So the world, the, the, even part, parts of the church say, well, you got to do that. I don't have to eat no spoiled chicken. I don't have to eat anything that's rotten. I don't have to watch the news. And you can call me out of the loop. You can call me out of whatever you want to. I'll tell you what I'm out of. I'm out of fear. I'm out of worry. I'm out of concern. And I don't really care what's going on in the world because me and Jesus got a good thing going. Amen. You understand what I'm saying? And you'll even read theological books. Well, the pastor needs to be up to date on current events. I am up to date on current events. This is the year of light and magnificent victory. This is the year of abundant overflow. This is the year of the local church. This is the year that God said he would do great. It would be a greater year than any great year you've ever had before. Well, what's going to happen in politics? I'll tell you what's going to happen in politics. People are going to keep lying. People are going to keep cheating. People are going to keep deceiving. And that's what the Bible says that's going to go on until Jesus returns. You say, what are you going to do? Pray and vote, pray and vote, pray and vote. If they upset us too much, we'll pray them out. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. And what the enemy did, I'll share this with you real quick. What the enemy did, especially at the beginning of this year, he confused so many Christians... Because a bunch of well-meaning people got over and started saying things they should have kept their mouth shut about. 
So they had to take the platform God had given them and put dates and times and say very specific things. By December 21st, this is going to happen. And it didn't. Well, is that person not a prophet? I didn't say that. They shouldn't have put December 21st on it. Well, what do you believe? doesn't matter what I believe. Where are we at? Where we're at is what we got to deal with. Well, I believe the election was stolen. Okay, that's fine. You can believe that. It's America. It's a free country. But that's not what we preach about. Amen. Well, what if all this turns around and this changes? Praise God, I'll be shouting with you in the street. But I will still be glad that I kept my mouth shut about certain things and stayed above the fray and stayed out of it. Amen. Hallelujah. You you see what I'm saying? Because anyone squeeze. How many people are now not going to believe a word that comes from a credible man or woman of God because they saw somebody say something like that and it didn't happen? See, he's trying. What, What would that happen? He'll get them to conform. And then somebody has a word from God for them that can change their life or affect their life, and they'll, and they'll disregard it. Amen. Oh, I'm helping you. Receive the word, renew the mind. The greatest thing that ever happened to me was when I decided to receive the word as absolute truth. I was submitted to God. I've told my story over and over again. I was born again at eight years old. Loved, loved the Lord. Preached my first message when I was 16. That's nearly 40 years ago, in case you don't know. And, and uh, loving the Lord. Made some decisions in my very early 20s. Didn't take me very long to understand how stupid they were. But I made some decisions and got away from the things of God. Got back to Him as quick as I could. I was submitted to God. I was submitted to Jesus as my Lord. But my mind had to be renewed. And real change began to occur when I received the word as truth. The word became my standard. It became what governed my decisions. Let's look at one more verse. Hebrews 4. Hebrews 4. This is another scripture that people have trouble with. And uh, Hebrews 4 and 12. It says... uh, for the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even the dividing sun of soul and spirit, and the joints and the marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. This word heart here is used 160 times in the New Testament. 160 times. And the issue is, here and in other places, it's used to describe the soul, the mind of man. All right? You've got to determine from the context. Other places, this same word is used. It's the word cardia, K-A-R-D-I-A. And in in other places, it's used, for instance, you believe from the heart, that sound doctrine. Well, you can't believe from your soul. So in that instance, what I'm saying is it refers to your spirit. Most of the instances in the Old Testament, it's referring to your spirit. In the New Testament, it's mixed. Here's my point. It's used 160 times. Here and in other places, it's used to describe the soul or the mind of man. 
the lexicon, Thayer's lexicon says, the soul or the mind as it is the fountain and seat of the thoughts, passions, desires, appetites, affections, purposes, and endeavors. The soul or the mind as it is the fountain and seat of the thoughts, the passions, the desires, the appetites, affections, and purposes, and, or endeavors. So when he says it is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart, it's a discerner of the thoughts, the passions, the appetites, the affections, the purposes, or the endeavors of the heart, of the soul. Discerner is only used in this verse in the entire New Testament. One time, it occurs one time in this verse, and notice it's used to describe the working of the word in relation to our souls or our minds. And it says that the word of God is a discerner. That word discerner means relating to judging, fit for judging, or skilled in judging. Related to judging, fit for judging, or skilled for judging. See, there are believers that try to determine what's right or what they should do without the discerner. Without the thing that is fit for judging or skilled in judging, which is the word. And, 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 and many will say, well, this is what I think. Or this is what I believe. You'll read the scripture and they'll go, okay, well, let me tell you what I think about that. Who cares? I don't care what you think. What's the scripture say? And I don't mean that mean. I'm saying that's got to be your mindset. <laughs> right? Because here's the thing. If you're facing a situation and somebody that you have respect for comes to you and you're standing on a certain scripture, and they say, well, let me tell you what I think about that. You know, that doesn't always mean this. Whoa, whoa, wait a minute. What are you going to do? It's like the woman that was coming to church here, and hearing that God wanted to heal her, and hearing that God wanted to set her free. She was battling cancer, and she would come here for two or three services, and God would touch her, and her energy would come back, and she would feel the life of God. But her husband didn't want to abandon the little religious church that they went to, and so he would take her back there, and her pastor told her, you need to be careful trying to get rid of something that God might be using to teach you a lesson. Told her about cancer. You better quit trying to get rid of that cancer. It might be the will of God. With no scripture to back that up. Just what I think. Amen. Now praise God. She's saved. She's born again and went to heaven. But she went before her time. When, when it comes to the scripture, it's not, well, this is what I think. I remember I had a family one time come to the church, and man, they were so involved in the things of God. God had, had, had healed this man and, and uh, ha had an issue uh, with a tumor, and God had shrunk that tumor and just delivered him and saved many of his family. And they, and they had a child. That, uh, a son that was just out from the things of God, just rebellious is what he was. He was he's one of those kids that if you got around him and one of the fruits of the Spirit would have been slap, you'd have prayed for it. You'd have prayed for that Spirit to come on you. Spirit of slap, now! Right? But, of course, it's, it's not one. 
But uh, <laughs> they, they, they got hooked up with a guy that was coming to the church here, and, and, and he had a, a place in Lawrence out in the country. And uh, 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 he decided that he would start teaching that, you know, you don't have to go to church. Okay, I mean, and that appealed to this rebellious child that didn't want to do anything for God anyway. He, he wanted to sit out there in this preacher's barnyard and roll his bugler tobacco and smoke while this guy shared the word. Are you kidding me? Well, you know, it wasn't long. Most of that family was backslid. Why? Because of what somebody thought. Because somebody came along and said, well, you don't, it doesn't take all that. What happened? The renewing of their mind quit. Why did the renewing of their mind quit? They conformed. It is not my job to tell you how many times you should be in church. It is my job to tell you the Bible says you can't be a good Christian without it. It's impossible. I've had people tell me, you can be a good Christian and not go to church. No, you can't. It's impossible because the Bible says you can't. It says you need to be provoked at good works. You need, you need iron sharpens iron. Hebrews says not to forsake the assembling of yourself together, even the more as you see the day approaching. Amen. There are people that can't be in church three times a week or they got issues or whatever. I understand that. I'm not putting a number on you. But what I'm saying is if you think you can grow into the, into the full maturity of Christ without His body, without the church, you're mistaken. You're, you're just mistaken. Amen. And so someone will say, well, this is how I see it. But how does the Bible see it? Right? It's like the guy that came to me one time and he had been trying to quit smoking. And finally he looked at me and he said, you know, I'm not going to try to quit smoking anymore. I said, oh, okay, well, all right. And he said, here's why. He said, the Lord has loosed them to me. (laughs) In other words, the Lord told me I could smoke all I want. It's not going to hurt me. What? I wanted to say, read the package, man. Cigarette smoking has been proven to cause death. I don't need the Holy Ghost to tell me that. The Surgeon General did. (laughs) Right? Well, I mean, people say, what can you do with that? Well, it's, it's very simple. I mean, the Bible says don't defile the temple of God. I don't want to go around putting anything knowingly harmful to me. But here, here's my point. But because of what he thought, he stayed in bondage. You see what I'm saying? Hallelujah. The Word is the only substance fit to determine for us what we believe or how we see things. It's the only one. Now, now obviously, people say, well, the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit will always lead you in line with the Word. He'll never lead you out from outside the Word. The inward witness will always lead in line with the Word. And so when we look at it that way, you can only think right when you become Word of God-minded. What did the Word say? I had a person tell me one time, oh, come on, that's all you ever say. That's all I'll ever say. What does the Word say? That, that keeps me from being conformed. 
That, keep, that keeps you, I'll close with this, it, it keeps you, when we say living right, people often just think about sin, and, and it'll do that too. But it'll keep you living in faith. You know, I grew up in a, in a very, very strict, very classic Pentecostal denomination. And I thank God for my heritage. I mean, obviously there were things they missed it in. But you know, there, there was something that, and, and, and I'm not suggesting that we should do this or anybody should do it. But, you know, uh, they preached some things. And uh, one of the things that they preached and preached it heavy was hell. I mean, you could smell sinners cooking when they preached hell. It was, woo! I mean, I didn't have any facial hair then, but it would have been all gone had I had any. Because yeah, the heat, you know. But, but now, now here's the point. And it, it, understand, it was wrong in the sense of the condemning way that it was ministered. But hear me. When you went out and you were tempted to sin, you thought twice about it. Because there is a hell. Now, all I'm, 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 I'm not suggesting that we need to go down that path. What I'm saying is something that I heard in the Word made me think twice about living a life that was outside of God. I be, in that area, I became Word of God minded. Now, it didn't last because fear won't last. Because six months later, I was still alive and not close to going to hell, so it lost its effectiveness. Right? But if I'm ministering and, and you're in the Word, you begin to think right. Because you become Word of God minded. And what the Word says is the way your thought processes go. Right? And don't be afraid of that. Gee, you're raising kids, teenagers, grandkids. Don't, don't be afraid of that. Well, why don't we do that? Because the Word says not to. That, that, that's it. The Word says it. Yeah, but you know, kids need a deeper explanation. No, they don't. This is what the Word says. We are a family governed by the Word. Amen. I, I've, 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 I've told my kids, I've, I tell Lily, listen, we don't throw fits because nobody in this family has the right to cause an uproar in the family. You don't have the right to have turmoil and make everybody else miserable because you want to throw a fit. Yeah, but they're just kids. Yeah, but if they start throwing fits at four and then you'll have them at six and then they'll be 16 and too big for you to do anything about it. What's the word say? You train the child up. The word is narrow. Make it narrow on that child. Bend them the way you want them to go. Right? There's a couple other ones too. It tells you where foolishness will show up in your child, in their heart. And it says there's one good thing that will drive it away from it. It's called the rod of correction. Now that can be a spanking or you correcting them. But don't let those moments go by. Why? Because you're, you're teaching them at that age to not be conformed. Right? 
The other day, Lily was in our bed on the weekends. She likes to come in. Well, she likes it anytime, but we allow it on the weekends. And uh, she came in, and Pastor Michelle has a little study area in, in our room. And Lily gets up there in that bed, you know, and, oh, your bed is so comfy. And <laughs> so anyway, but she was up there the other day, and, and uh, 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 I had brought her in there. And Pastor Michelle asked her. She was walking by, and she goes, uh, uh, did you go potty? And Lily said, yeah. She was watching something. Yeah, yeah. And I was standing there, and, and Pastor Michelle goes, Daddy took you potty? And I said, no, I didn't. You didn't go. And she goes, no, 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 I didn't go. I said, wait, 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 wait. That's not going to work. And I got turned off the TV, got down beside her. I said, listen, you lied to Mommy. We need to repent. You need to repent to mommy, and you need to repent to God. Oh, it's no big deal. It wasn't a big deal. It was a big deal. It was a lie. It's the devil. That's what the devil does. And if your child doing what the devil does is not a reason enough for you to correct them, I don't know what is reason enough. Well, did she get a spanking? No, she didn't need a spanking. Why? Because correction is a constant. Why do we correct constantly? Because that's what the Word says to do. What Hebrews say? It says when you correct, or Proverbs, it says when you correct your child, don't be moved by their cries. They're begging you not to do it. Why? He said because you'll correct them and save them. Do do you see this? And and, and if if I'm doing things that way, then I saved myself a lot of heartache. But guess what? Let me finish with this. A lot of times, it's just easier on me not to mess with it. But but I'm preaching on this because I never thought I'd have another four-year-old. But I do. Here's the issue. You're the parent. You're the grandparent. I don't buy into this. Well, you know, they come over and their mom and dad let them do that. You know, I'm just grandma, so I don't say anything about it when they come to my house. You better. You might be the only righteousness they're hearing from. You might be the only godly influence in their life. If mom and dad are letting them do whatever they want to do and they're, and they're bringing them over to your house now, the goodness of your heart, you're watching them taking care of them. You better say something. Well, they'll quit bringing them over. Well, if that's their rebellious nature, I understand that. But you cannot fail to do the right thing just because it makes it easier on you. The Bible says that Lot vexed his righteous soul because he lived in Sodom and Gomorrah and saw the filthy lifestyle they were living every day and it vexed him because he chose to be there. You can't allow that. Right is right. Hallelujah. You see what I'm saying? And when you make the decision, and I know what it's like to look down at those little lips quivering. I won't do it again. I know you won't. I'm going to ensure that you won't. I'm going to ensure that the next time you think about that, you're going to go, hmm. Or you're going to look over in the corner at the toys you don't have for a week. 
or the party you didn't get to go to. I don't know why I'm talking about kids, but hear me. It's part of them not being conformed. Well, my friends get to go. Maybe all your friends did what their mom asked. Yeah, but Billy and them, they're going to be there. I know they were probably obedient. I know they didn't lie. Well, you shouldn't condemn your kid. That's not a condemnation. That's what they did. They, they lied. Right? And we got great kids. All of us in here got great kids. I love your kids. I love the kids in our church. I know you love my kids. They're great kids. I'm not saying, I'm saying if it comes up, that's how you got to deal with it. You don't sugarcoat it. Well, you know, they'll be okay. No, they won't. No, they won't. Because one compromise leads to another compromise leads to another compromise. And they'll lie about pottying today and lie about stealing from you in five years. If you let them lie to you about the cookie jar, they'll lie to you about are they sleeping with their boyfriend. And then it'll be too late. Mm. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Amen. So what are you going to do when it's time for Lily today? I will bring the guy over on the night that I clean all of my guns. And I'm going to show him the one I have that will shoot a really long way. My son went out with a girl one time, or I, I should say, I think it was a friend of his, might have been him, but a, a friend of his or him one, and went out with a girl that her father was on the sniper team for the sheriff's department. <laughs> and it, it told him, said, you know, I can hit a target the size of a quarter from ever how many thousand yards. So just remember, I'm always watching. <laughs> I'm pretty sure there was no hands out of place on that date. <laughs> Renew their mind. Some devils we cast out and some we knock out. So anyway, <laughs> let's stand up today before we get too far into this. Hallelujah. Did you receive anything from the Word? I know you did.